0: there ladies and gentlemen welcome back to yet another episode of three beers In. my name is dom this is episode 143 that means i love you and like if you didn't want to actually spell it out you know i remember just when i was a child and text messaging was a thing and you would write stuff like ttyl which meant talk to you later and i remember someone once messaged to me um ttfn and I said to the person, I was like what does that what does that mean?" And they became so embarrassed that they were like, "I'm not going to tell you what that means because I'm embarrassed, and I said, "No, no, no tell me he, and, and he said it was a per it was a man, and he said, "It means ta- ta for now. I indeed laughed at him I mean, I mean he called it it's just something that you really don't hear um you know I, I don't know if you heard that because there's a smoke alarm down here that's uh the batteries are dying." And you know how like when batteries die in smoke alarms, it makes a a a beep sound. Yeah, okay. So anyway, week three of Sour September and one more week one more week to go. So we're we're burning through here. I completely forgot to make a log of these beers that I'm having. So after this episode, I'm gonna go back into the untapped and get those 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 beers in there and uh make a list. Because what I was doing is I was trying to be mysterious. Not be mysterious, so to speak, but Try to um, just grab whatever was in the fridge, not read it necessarily, just to be a little bit more surprised um, when I did have them. Because, yes, they're all sours and that kind of takes the surprise out of it. But nonetheless, you could still surprise yourself by just doing things a little bit different around the house. You know, like putting. Oh, excuse me. Jesus. burp over there. By just grabbing a different beer, not knowing what it is. Oh, my goodness. So, yeah. Oh, boy. Really, really excited and happy to talk about what happened last week on this show. Wonderful interview. Guys, wasn't that great? It was so much fun. I learned a lot about, and, I, and you know what? I learned so much about the what it takes to be a, a, a brewer. You know, you just got to dive in there and do it. Amanda was great, and I'm really looking forward to seeing uh, her and the gang on Saturday. Okay, and you guys know, I've been talking about it for a while now, but the uh, the Rupsem and Horman Brewing Company launch party, that's correct, ladies and gentlemen, it's going to be this Saturday, okay? Now I'm, I said I may have said that before, but now it's for real. This Saturday, the 21st, I believe the tickets, there's like 3 left. So you got to be really really quick to get them. But they have announced today actually that um, they've extended their launch party outside of Flagship Brewery, and now you can hang outside and drink before and after your timed ticket. Also, to people who couldn't get a timed ticket can join in on the festivities from uh, 12 to 7.30 p.m. So you don't have to necessarily have the ticket, but if you do, it's good. Um, The guest bartenders uh, will not be bartending outside, but there will be six packs and 24 trays available for purchase outside as well. Uh, Daddy-O's Barbecue, Flower and Oak will be serving food and R&H next door uh, to the event. So they're going to be having it in daddy O's, And then it lists off here the places that are going to be carrying the beer. This is an Instagram uh, Instagram post, ladies and gentlemen, so you can do rubsome uh, uh, rub uh, underscore Horman uh, to follow. And it says here that uh, the hop shop, Marie's Gourmet, the RBT Rosebank Tavern, Okay, so okay, because 'cause I'm reading their Instagram handles, so forgive me if it sounds weird. ho bra taco, kettle black bar, Jimmy Max, Richmond Republic, they're going to be serving um the beer on the twenty first as well, so if you're not able to um to go to the event at this specific time, you know being that it's Saturday. Uh, you can go to these establishments and you're going to be able to try the R&H beer, which I am really, really excited to try, especially that pomegranate wit that um, Amanda told us about. That's going to be something special for those of us that are actually going to the event. It's going to be really, really cool. It's going to be my first uh, launch party for a brewery. I'm really excited about it. And I really look forward to see you guys there. I know I know that there's going to be a ton of us going. It's going to be so much fun. And I'm just excited. Um so if you didn't uh, catch the interview, that's last episode, episode 140. What What is this? Where are we? 143, I said? Yeah, I love you. Episode 143. So if you didn't check it, check it over there. Um, What, what was I going to say? Yeah, so I come down here. But, okay, I don't know what brings crickets into uh, a basement, okay? But there is, like, I feel like the pharaoh felt when the swarm of bugs came. There are at least, there was at least six crickets that I seen when I came down into this basement. Now the crickets are probably the least intimidating, maybe of all bugs. Okay. I think I could, I think we could agree upon that out there that the crickets are not very, I mean, they look a little frightening at first. Cause you're like, Oh my God, is that a roach? But it's not, it's not, it's a cricket and they jump and they make little cricket noises. And there was Jiminy cricket and everyone loved Jiminy cricket. So, I mean, I guess maybe crickets get a bad rap because there is nothing, there's no harm, no foul out there. But they are a little bit startling to see at first. Stubborn little sons of bitches because there I am trying to move the, the bastard because he was right in the walkway. I forgot to wear my flip flops, so I'm barefooted and I don't want to stomp a cricket because, you know, that's just, you know, screwed up. And he won't move. I'm trying to shoe him. I, I didn't want to shoe him on my foot because I don't want to touch him. Okay. I'm a big guy, but I'm afraid of bugs. I don't like bugs touching me. So I'm like, hey, you go, cricket. And he's kind of like just being like, you know, he, he's like the Bill Belichick of cricket. He was just there going. And then like I had to like, I used like the cooler bag that I had here to try to help the shoeing along. Eventually he budged. So that was good because it was like, it was out of control. You know, it was It was, it was a Mexican standoff with a cricket and a grown man carrying sour beer and two glasses and just trying to trying to do his beer show I'm just a man trying to do his beer show that's all I am you know man I'm not trying to kill no cricket that ain't what I'm about but anyway ladies and gentlemen I'm gonna try to get right into this because I have to I gotta watch my daughter you know there's uh, there's my, my wife has to do some work and uh you know I'm the babysitter because I'm her dad so we're gonna get right into the hop of the week and um. Spin the wheel and see what we get. so um let me bring the wheel up real quick. <coughs> I'm trying not to cough in the camera of camera, but what do we get? Spinning's the wheel We're here the hop of the week here, ladies and gentlemen. It is gargoyle. Never heard of this one. like we're li- literally never heard of this one. Let me bring it up here on up list. Okay, it's from hoplist.com, ladies and gentlemen. That's where I always read about the hops because I feel like they do a pretty good job of uh, giving us a representation of what it is. Gargoyle, along with Ivanhoe, is a new generation of California cluster and the first to be grown commercially in over half a century. Revived by Organic Hop Farms' Hop, Hops Hopsme- Mes- Mess, 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 Meister. Is it Mester? Messeter? LLC, whatever, near Clear Lake, California. It is similar to Ivanhoe, but tends uh, more toward a citrusy mango bouquet. And that's it. That's literally all that they said. So I'm going to go a little bit further here and maybe just take a look at what um, Ivanhoe is. Now, we're going to be hearing about a little bit more than one hop here on the hop of the week, only because Gargoyle was just so short. But here we go. Ivanhoe. Uh, Ivanhoe is one of the first revivals of California Cluster. I think I'm going to read about that afterwards. California cluster in more than 50 years, revived by organic, uh, organic hop farm Hops Messeter, LLC, near Clear Lake California. I feel like I'm just repeating the, the gargoyle one. It is a European aroma type and has been compared uh, to a more moderate cascade. It features a lovely mellow aroma of citrus and pine, but with a heady floral and herbal notes. So its characteristics are mellow aroma with citrus and pine, heady floral and hobble notes, uh, mainly for aroma, uh, aroma, aroma, aroma is the purpose there. Um, 7.3% to 8% is the alpha acid composition. And um, the substitutes are uh, Galena, Cluster, and Northern Brewer. Uh, And it's usually found in American ales, California commons, stouts, and IPAs. But I'm going to go a little bit further here and just try to look into what this California cluster situation is. So this is the third hop to be featured here on the Hop of the Week. So forgive me for going a little bit off tangent, but here we go. Je- uh, California Cluster is generally considered to be indistinguishable from other cluster uh, cluster varieties. But California Cluster is a true dual-use hop used prolifically, prolifically by U.S. brewers in the early-mid-1900s. Uh, clusters were widely available and cheap, providing a generic but pleasant bitterness and flavor. Uh, California clusters' exact lineage is vague; uh, the name itself is also representative of a number of different cluster varieties. The original California cluster, though, is widely noted to be the parent of CaliCross and has successfully employed over 50 years, and was successfully employed over 50 years ago to produce disease-resistant strains. Smooth Cone, Calacross, and First Choice. Hops Meister, or... Yeah, it's Meister. I I was reading it wrong. Um, In Clearlight, California claimed to have reintroduced two of the original variations of the California Cluster, trademarked uh, Ivanhoe and Gargoyle. Uh, But it's it's unclear exactly which of the Cluster varieties they are, however. Um, The, um... Characteristics here are generic hop bitterness and flavor. Its purpose is mainly for bittering here, and it says here that the alpha acid composition is 5.5 to 8.5 percent, and um, it's usually used in American barley wine porter, English ale, English pale ale, excuse me, amber ale, honey ale, and cream ale. So now the funny thing about this is like, okay, look, I I know that you guys know this, right? That I have the Northern Brewer kit and everything that I need to do a five gallon batch, which like Amanda had said. Um, initially, when we did the interview and we're talking about her and her home brewing, five gallon batches is usually the norm, right? <sighs> so I'm really I'm I'm going to right now on the show I'm going to do this, okay? My all right, I'm going to bring up the calendar, and I'm going to do this. I'm going to pick a day for my for my boil. That's it. It's going to happen right now, in real time. Okay. Okay. I can't do this weekend because I got the brewery thing. I can't do next weekend. I got a bachelor party. I can't do the weekend after because my wife's birthday. The week after that. The week after that, Mm, maybe, maybe. Okay, you know what? I'm going to play it safe here, and I'm going to say October 19th, ladies and gentlemen. So there's now an official countdown. I I would write it down, but I can't find a pen. You know, I've got got everything under the sun in this place but a pen. Okay, October 19th. I'm going to just put it in my phone. October 19th, the boil. This is when I am going to, that Saturday, I'm marking it all day. That is the day that I will, Dominic Ribello, of three beers in, brew my first beer. Now, for what Northern Brewer provided in their kit is everything that I would need to bre- Actually, you know what? I do have to get bottles and a capper and bottle caps. So that's the one thing I do have to get before I start. So I'm going to have to make sure to put that on a list to make sure I get that. <clears throat> and I will need, um, what else will I need? I think I I'll need sanitizing solution. And then I think I'll be good to go. But I have everything I need. I have the carboys. I have the fermenter. I have the, 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 the pot to boil everything in. And it came with all the ingredients. It came with the yeast. It came with the malt extract and the hops, the pellets. So I plan on doing a boil. I plan on getting some beer made. And now once that's done, then we're going to begin another countdown of when it's going to be ready to be had. And then I'll be I'll do it on this show. All right. One day there will be an episode. I don't know what number it's going to be, but the beer that will be reviewed will be three beers in very own beer. I might even have some guests down here to do it because I have uh, with this new mixer, I've been able to revitalize the studio in a, in a way. I mean, it's really cramped in here, but I got a couple of friends that were very, um very adamant about starting their own sports podcast. And they were asking me about equipment to buy. And I said, guys, you know, I don't want you to have to spend your money. I have this stuff, but some of it's broken. So my buddy's using one of the drowned microphones and my other friend was able to, uh, take a microphone from his dad because his father is in the entertainment business and they were, we were able to do a little bit of a show. It sounded, uh, it didn't sound great because of the quality of the drowned microphone. And, uh, the fact that we're the, <clears throat> the microphone stand for the other gentleman is a cup, um, but it was it was very crude and rudimentary but we still got it done but nonetheless i do think that if we can get some good mics down here not one that would match my own this thank you all for once again the three beer and faithful that helped uh, this dream come true and that's why you're hearing this this luscious sultry voice oh shit uh through one of the best microphones on the market but we're going to go right ahead ladies and gentlemen cuz like i said i've got to watch the child and oh great we're going to go. OK, here it is. Um, we're going to go right into the beer news, ladies and gentlemen. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I procured some beer news. Uh, it was a little slow this week, but uh, nonetheless, uh, I have some articles here that I would like to read to you guys. Really love doing the beer news to just keep everyone up to date on what's going on in our wonderful niche community. Uh, if it's niche or niche, it doesn't matter. But uh, this one's coming from app.com, uh, written by Alex uh, Bees uh, from Asbury Park Press, uh, New Jersey beer. Uh, Backward Flag is brewing support for the veterans, is brewing support for veterans and the LGBT community. Now, I believe I've had backward flag beer before. I haven't read this article. Again, just to let you guys know, full disclosure, I never read the articles until I'm on the air because I like to, if there's a genuine reaction that comes out of me, I want you guys to hear it. It's not something that I plan ahead of time. But I'm pretty sure that I've had this beer before at the great Pete Sullivan's residence. Great friend, great family man, uh, member of my family, wonderful, wonderful person. Uh, that guy's got a, What a procurement of craft beer that this gentleman has in his fridge. My goodness, you go down there and you're like a kid in the candy store with what he's got. Believe the last time that I was there. And also, the man is on a mission, okay? He wants to travel all of New Jersey and have a beer from every craft brewery that is out there. And he is making the rounds. He's chugging along, sometimes literally, and having a great time while doing it. Keep up the good work, my man, because you're doing the right thing by going to these craft breweries. You're doing it right, boy. All right, so yeah, I've had backward flag from him before. I'm pretty sure of it because I think I remember him telling me that it was a all it was a woman owned brewery. Everyone that worked there was a woman, and they were all veterans, if I'm not mistaken. So continuing on with the article here, uh, time flies when you're making great beer. I agree. Backward Flag Brewing Company of Forked River marks its fourth anniversary this fall. A landmark, the Ocean City craft beer operation will celebrate with a party kicking off at noon on Saturday, September 21st in its Challenger Way tap room. A lot going on this Saturday in the craft beer community. Okay, A lot of partying. It says here, uh, it's a little surreal sometimes, said the owner, Tori Fisher. I don't think I ever uh, knew how far we would go, and I still don't know how far we'll go. It was just about two years ago that backward flag with Fisher's wife, Melinda Gulsiver, as head brewer, expanded its production capabilities uh, from a one-and-a-half barrel system to a ten-barrel system. Subsequently, the company's beers, at one time only available in the tasting room, have found new fans in bars, restaurants, and liquor stores across New Jersey, and even in select Pennsylvania locations. Very cool. Uh, we're still constantly learning that new dynamic of bigger production and distribution, keeping people in our tap room happy and keeping outside accounts happy as well, said Fisher. Uh, it's just a constant juggling act. Backwards flag steady, uh, steady growth also serves the company's community engagement efforts. Uh, Fisher is a U.S. Army. Okay, there you go. Uh, Fisher is a U.S. Army veteran. Uh, then they must be the, the woman thing, too. I, I, I was right. Uh, Fisher is a U.S. Army veteran who served two tours of duty in Iraq while Gulsever serves, she currently serves, in the uh, Army National Guard. The vast majority of Backward Flags' um, employees are either veterans or first responders or family members of one. And the the brewery also launched the charitable organization Arms to Artisans uh, to help uh, post-September 11, 2001 veterans transition to artisanal trades. That's really fucking neat. Uh, We've gotten a lot more exposure, and for us, one of our biggest goals is the outreach uh, to the veterans community, the first responders community, and so we've gotten to do a lot more than that. Uh, Having that bigger capacity has allowed us more stability to be more involved in that community in the ways that I want to be. That's really great. Giving back to the community with beer and through an organization that, that helps veterans. This is fantastic. Backward Flag launched the Forward Assault series of canned beers to support veterans' charities last year, and Saturday's anniversary party will include a bazaar of veterans' businesses. Really fucking cool. This summer, the brewery celebrated LGBTQ Pride Month in June with a Pride Month social special rainbow-colored merchandise and a donation to the American Military Partner Association, an organization of LGBTQ military families and their allies. The event also included representatives of Garden, State Equality, of Garden State Equality and a speech from retired Sergeant Major Jennifer Long, an advocate for transgender uh, troops. Fisher said that uh, Backward Flag plans to host more events in support of the LGBT community in the future. That was a fairly new thing for us. That's something that in the past we didn't really talk about much. So that was, I want to say, a growth process personally for myself, as well as the brewery, said Fisher. We tend not to talk that much about the personal foundations of the brewery. <clears throat> it took a long time before I really started promoting the woman-owned aspect of the brewery and also, and then also that aspect of the brewery. Uh, and honestly, it was one of, the, one of those things where customers and staff coming to me saying, look, these are things that people want to hear about. People want to talk about. We're kind of in a position to put a different face on those things. And so starting, uh, so we started promoting that a little bit bigger. So backward flags, fourth anniversary uh, is at noon on September 21st at 699 challenger way in Tom's river, New Jersey. And that's just a really fantastic article. I mean, the fact that these, these ladies are, um, are doing the, uh, are doing are are, are brewing delicious crap beer because I've had it and it's fantastic. I remember I remarking about how well balanced everything was, and I remember they were. I think I remember uh, specifically saying to Pete that there was a German malt, there was German some, I think a Munich two row that was going on there that I really really enjoyed because it's a it's a fantastic malt to be used, and um and I, I just remember remarking to him how fantastic the beer was. So the fact that they're doing that and they're also. Running an, uh, a, a charitable organization on top of their business, uh, really great work, and I, I'm really happy for them, and I, I hope that uh, that I, I wish them nothing but the best uh, moving forward. Uh, next question here, next, not next question, but the next article that I have here, and this is a, it's going to be a quick one, but I got a tweet that came in that said Merriam-Webster Dictionary will now define tall boy as a 16-ounce beer, okay? But I've, I thought of the 16 ounces was a pint and the 24 ounces were a tall boy. Or was it a 22? Either way, I think when I say tall boy, I mean that it's a 16-ounce can, and, and then that's going to be uh, just just what it is. So that was a tweet from Merriam-Webster. This is coming from uh, Grisettes.com, The Grunion, okay? the, another, view, another view segment here, and uh, it says here, craft beer brewing growth options by Justin Wong. Uh, Nearly a decade since the craft beer first hit mainstream popularity, the industry continues to grow at steady rates. The national craft beer market now tops $26 billion, and key players continue to seek new ways to scale their business to meet increasing consumer demand. Hopefully, it's not by selling to San Miguel, Mahau, whatever the fuck their name is. The magnitude of this industry will come into focus when the California Craft Beer Summit descends on Long Beach, September 12th to the 14th. So that happened already. We, gotta we got to figure. I should be getting articles about that. What am I doing? I'm a beer show. Craft beer popularity across the city, California, and the United States has grown in part due to its availability in a wide range of venues, from pop up beer gardens to fine dining restaurants. As we have witnessed in Long Beach, <clears throat> As reported by the Grunia many times, more than a dozen breweries are opening thanks in part to the encouragement from the city. We got a new brewery opening right here in Staten Island. Okay, Bolero Snort's expanding. There's it's it's growing. It's growing and it's it's fantastic. What a time to be a craft beer fan. Once established, uh, brewers now must sustain their enterprise. Brewers who look to grow their market share should consider investing in the infrastructure to deliver their products to retailers and consumers with a focus on efficiency and quality control something that Amanda touched on last week. For brewers seeking to improve production and distribution, here are some of the best practices uh, on expanding your craft beer network. Oh, so this is kind of like a how-to. Craft beer companies typically fit into three categories based on size. You have the small local brew pub, the regional brewer, and the national production brewery. Each has unique needs when it comes to production and distribution. The local brew pub typically sells most of its beer on the premises, or at the brewer's restaurant, this reduces the need for distribution and allows the brew pub to recognize profits quickly. A regional brewer, on the other hand, typically requires more equipment, such as tanks, as well as larger amounts of real est- uh, larger amounts of real estate to produce and store inventory. A regional brewer might be selling out. Uh, Of tasting rooms from one or multiple breweries, but most of the revenue and growth uh, comes through selling their brews uh, to other retail uh, retail accounts, both on and off the premises. According to the Brewers Association, between 2016 and 2017, regional craft breweries grew by 5% to reach 70.6% of overall craft beer industry production volume. At a much larger scale, a national production brewery may have several operations, and requires a more sophisticated and robust uh, distribution system. Today's market expansion is a matter of choice rather than survival. Each category of brewery has its advantages and drawbacks, and each has the ability to be profitable. It's uh, important for the investors and owners of breweries to align objectives when it comes to growth targets and appetite for expansion. Once brewers and investors agree on a business objective – uh, they can set priorities and determine the amount of capital they'll need to build their infrastructure. If a brewer aims to slowly expand a brew pub, for example, he may not need to purchase a new warehouse to store beer right away. Instead, he can gradually scale up his distribution. As part of this evaluation process, brewers will want to consider operational needs and maintain equipment, including maintenance and upgrades. Brewers also need to evaluate where to expand craft's, uh. Where to expand? Craft-centric regions include Philadelphia, San Diego, Colorado, and the Pacific Northwest, as well as newer craft beer hubs such as Long Beach, Austin, Atlanta, Chicago, and Asheville, North Carolina, uh, have turned into highly sought-after destinations for craft beer tourism. I do have had a bunch of beer coming out of... um, coming out of Chicago. So that's that's definitely true. Uh, this equates to a high demand for craft beer in these areas, but it doesn't come without fierce competition from brewers seeking to reach the same customer base. That's true as well. Uh, you see it when we walk into these, uh, craft beer distribution areas, you know, when you go into your, your different, whether it be beverage Island or Joe canals, when you walk into the place, you can quickly become overwhelmed with the choices and you really have to, uh, you know, you, you got to think about where you're going to put your money. Um, What works best for your craft beer? Ultimately, the value for a particular brewer is case-dependent. Key factors to consider include quantitative elements, growth rate and profitability, intangible factors such as brand awareness, competition, assessing if similar uh, products are in the market, and finally, succession planning based on the end goal, whether it's going to be for an IPO or selling to a larger brewer. Um, Brewers must assess uh, if the distribution strategies implemented would support their growth and closely align their financial strategies with their long-term goals. Uh, The craft beer industry has already climbed to nearly one quarter of the U.S. beer market and continues to become more competitive for the next generation of entrepreneurial brewers. Though craft brewers in Long Beach and across the U.S. face fierce competition and a unique set of industry challenges, their ability to secure capital and the future of the craft beer industry has never been better. And that comes from Justin Wong, and he is a senior vice president uh, is a senior vice president and market executive for global commercial banking at the Bank of America, Merrill Lynch. So if you want if you want a loan to start a brewery, go to Justin Wong and Merrill Lynch. He believes in it. He knows that it's a winning idea, and he knows that craft beer will continue. And I came across another uh, article here. This is from um, craftbeer.com, and it says, Brute loggers are here, ladies and gentlemen. Now, listen, when the Brute IPAs came out— <clears throat> I was supremely, supremely disappointed. I have had drier IPAs than these so-called Brute IPAs, and now they're coming out with Brute loggers. So this is how the article reads. Um, written by Ke- uh, Kate Bernat. Hold on one second. my. Bone is being all weird. Okay, uh, American craft brewers have never had, uh, ha, uh have never been shy about borrowing techniques from one style and applying it to another. If barrel aging can add oak and bourbon flavors to stouts, why not try it on Belgian-inspired quads? If serving a porter into a nitro adds a pleasing creaminess, why not also try it on pale ales or IPAs? Almost as soon as a technique, ingredient, or process hits brewers' toolkits, they can't wait to see how far it can stretch. The latest example of this stylistic exchange is Brute Lagers. There it goes on to say the birth of the Brute IPA. Brute Lagers wouldn't be possible without their parent-style Brute IPAs. And Brute IPAs wouldn't have been possible without an enzyme called uh, uh, Amilaglucosidase. A, a mil, a milaglu, a a milag- or amylase. Uh, thankfully, you don't need to know how to spell it or even pronounce it to understand its effects on beer. This enzyme piqued brewer's interest at the tail end of 2017 when Kim Sturdivant uh, of San Francisco's Social Kitchen and Brewery used the ingredient which craft brewers typically reserved for big beefy stouts to brew an IPA breaks down malts' sugars into smaller bites, making them easier for the yeast to eat. Uh, That changes the character of the beer by drying it out, decreasing uh, its perceived weight on the palate and making it highly effervescent like a brute champagne that brute IPAs are named for. The style spread and now you might find brute IPAs in six packs in grocery store shelves. But it got a couple of craft breweries wondering, what if they applied the enzymes to lagers? Look, I'm pretty sure it may be, wor- I, I don't know. I mean, honest to God, when I, the, the brewed IPAs that I've tried, I know I did a Sierra Nevada one and it was a dud. Then again, their, their hazy IPA wasn't necessarily the juiciest of juice bombs. So maybe I, I had high expectations, but then I know I had another brewed IPA and it was not for, I don't, I don't know if it was Stone. It was, I think it was Stone Brewery. Yeah. Enjoy by, I did the brewed IPA and I was so thoroughly disappointed I mean, it wasn't even as dry as some stouts that I've had, and I mean, maybe that's just what's going to happen. It's not going to be that dry, but if you can find a bone dry IPA, that's a brute IPA. Be my guest and let me know about it. Um, brut lagers filling a void. Uh, while no one had used the term brut lager until 2019. Brewing lagers with this type of enzyme goes back to the 1960s. It was a key component of some large large breweries' light beers, as it helped remove the malt sugars and would add a fullness to the beers and make the final beers lower in calories. So when Dave Berg, brewmaster at August Shell Brewing Company in New Ulm, Minnesota, heard about this use in brewed IPAs, he thought... It was a natural fit for the lagers his breweries were known for. His goal in brewing August Schell's Brute Lager was to replicate what drinkers liked in Brut IPAs, aromatic hops, a light body, and translate it to a lager. Quote, we use a lot of late edition hops trying to imitate the brute IPA style, and we use some newer hop varieties, Berg says. I think people are apparently more calorie conscious, but <laughs> but they want but they still want flavor, and it seems like it's a pretty large untapped area right now. Okay, I get that. I do I I, I think that there we do live in a very carb not carb, but a calorie conscious world, so he might be right, there's all those people going for those selters uh drinkers are seeking lots of hop character, but in an easier drinking package that's uh less up uh, a drinking package easier drinking package than an eight percent i p a could find their answer in a brute lager, which is uh which was part of the brewery summer variety pack that debuted in June uh the word brute uh so associated with IPAs in the beer world helped convey effervescence and aromatic hops quote. I think it was something different to try. Brute had the name that people really, uh, that actually recognized in a beer, Berg says. While he's not sure that the word brutes will still grace the beer cans five years from now, Berg thinks the refreshing, flavorful component of a brute lager having, uh, will have staying power. Quote, everybody's doing uh, the big imperial stouts and the really boozy beers for a long time, and they're great, but especially as you get older, you can't drink that much. I think there's probably a market for reduced-carb beers that have more flavor, he says. I'm, I'm going to actually say I'm going to agree with him here. It's not so much about the—it's about the booziness. For me, it's like, you know, you, you can only have so much, and it's only just—you know, you're only going to get a headache, and you're going to feel like shit afterwards. But nonetheless, we continue on. It's not wine. It's a brute Lager. Uh, but the lower malt aspect of brute Lager—oh, I don't really think I would like that. The lower malt aspect— of Brute Lagers wasn't initially what drew Lager Brewing Company from, from, uh, to the emerging style. For co-owner Keith Huizinga, it was all about its proximity to wine. Mm. The brewery in Oak Park, Illinois, has brewed primarily lagers for just over three years, and its brewer, Steve Lorraine's, uh, is constantly on the search to expand uh, drinkers' perceptions of what the category can be. Uh, When people hear lager, Hazinga says, they think of a certain flavor. Lager is just a type of fermentation as part of the beer's overall design that doesn't pigeonhole it any more than the word ale would. Quote, we wanted to create a different type of experience, something almost like a sparkling wine, but 100% beer. Sparkling (sighs) wine? Isn't that just beer, Guy? Right, I mean, I'm thinking sparkling wine is wine with carbonation, correct? Beer with carbonation is just beer. The right. I just feel like the words are fucking with my head. The idea was uh, combining the dry brute techniques with a hop selection that would emphasize that almost grape-like character. What do you mean? Are you are you making a Smirnoff Ice or something? Their hop of choice was a a blend of. Nelson Savine and Hollertal Blanc. I like Hollertal hops, which teamed up to give the lager the name Savant Blanc. It's Venus aroma and flavor. Uh, the beer's name sounds like a wine. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I guess I'm I, this guy's going down some weird wine tangent, and I'm, I don't think I'm feeling that. But um. I I just I'm not I'm not into it. I'm really not into it. So sorry. But this next. Listen, I'll try it. This is a beer show. I'll try any beer on this show. I'll try a brute IPA again. I'll try a brute um, lager. If it's good, it's good. If it's if it's not, I'm going to be completely honest about it. But but the fact that you guys wine that's with carbonation is sparkling wine. Sparkling wine, but hundred percent beer is just fucking beer, right? Let me know because i am I losing it am i is it am I, is it scrambled up here? I don't know why I'm getting angry Come on down, come on down, calm down, calm down, everything's gonna be okay. This is one from this next one's from one of our favorite publications here on three beers Inn um probably one of your favorite publications because of three Beers in, so shout out to this place, the South Jersey beer scene sjbeerscene.com love this place great articles great news about beer i think it's fantastic and uh this one's by uh vic i don't know if that's a b Smalo. this one's by vic and it says here pumpkin beer the annual craft beer right of fall that's correct. Fall is fast approaching in South Jersey. The leaves are changing color. I noticed it this morning, actually, when I was walking out of my house. To By the way, I was so fucking late this morning. My God, I might get into that later. But I was walking out of my house, and, you know, you just notice that crispness of the of the air. Like that just, oh, man, that cool air just on your neck. And I noticed that the leaves were falling. You know, fall is like right, literally right around the corner. Um yeah, the, the leaves are changing color, the wind is blowing a little bit colder, and those summer tees are getting replaced by winter hoodies. Well, not, not, not yet, Vic. Uh, so begins the holiday beer season. Pumpkin, to be specific. As the other classic and niche-style beers, pumpkin beer sales have dropped due to the next, big, uh, the next big thing mindset. But many still look forward to the seasonal releases. I asked some of our South Jersey brewers for their thoughts on the gourd and uh, some of their favorite uh, pumpkin offerings. So here are some of those pumpkin beer hot takes here. Uh, He got some interesting reaction from Hate, which was uh, pumpkin is for pies and lattes, to Love, I love pumpkin beer, to Indifferent. I don't really seek them out, but if it comes my way, I'll drink it. Uh, Pumpkin is a very versatile squash, and uh, as you will see from the uh, list below, uh, lends itself to a lot of different styles. Uh, Jeff Greco of Heavy Real Brewing is in the Lovett camp and will soon be releasing All Gourds Beware, made with pumpkin puree as well as yams, butternut squash, maple syrup, and other spices. Uh, Jeff's fa- That's like having a, a like a fucking fall Yankee candle melted into a glass, basically. That's what that sounds like. Oh, man. Um, but Jeff's favorite uh, commercial offering is Southern Tears Pumpkin King Imperial Ale, which was actually mentioned by several other brewers as well as well as my favorite Barista Alphonse from Enigma Coffee House in Tom's River. Yeah, Lear, seriously, Pumpkin, if you're a pumpkin beer person, which like like this article alludes to, there are some people that just are about that life, people that are not about that life. Whether where you fall in that camp, I mean, to each his own, but I'm I'm a pumpkin beer fan. We've never I think we did one pumpkin beer on the show. They're coming back. I think for the once we hit October and we hit a certain stride, I'm going to be getting those pumpkin beers down here and giving them a try, and uh, and letting you guys know. I don't think I'm going to do like what I did with Sour September. I'm not going to do a month thing, but a pumpkin beer is going to make its way in, and we'll we'll talk about it and we'll put that on the seasonal on Mount Rushmore. But uh, uh, Don Husak from the Montefurkan Brewing Company is a fan of the Wirebocker. Uh, Imperial Pumpkin Wirebacker coming out of uh, Easton, Pennsylvania, as well as the Saucony uh, Creek's Maple Mistress, while partner Todd Hunt likes uh, Shipyard's Pumpkin Head. Uh, but this brewery, Manafirkin, will be releasing two versions of their popular Oh Dear Gourd made with pumpkin, Oh Dear Gourd made with pumpkin and yams, their regular tap version, and a six month barrel aged brew, which will be available in bottles. This is going to be really cool. I mean, maybe we can visit some of these breweries and try some of these pumpkin beers out. Chris Lewis of Oyster Creek Brewing um, uh, Company also mentions Shipyard and Pumpkin as his favorites, uh, and they will be releasing a pumpkin slash yam ale called Fallout, which, uh, in addition to the pumpkin and yams, is spiced with ginger, cinnamon, and allspice. Uh, he asked Chris why most brewers will use yam or sweet potatoes in their pumpkin beers. And he says that yams are definitely sweeter. Pumpkin is a bit bland and can add a earthy rich taste. That's true. If you ever had like pumpkin that was I remember one time my my mom made pumpkin pie and she got pumpkin like canned pumpkin and I was like, "Oh my god, this is canned pumpkin has got to be incredible because it's a it's just you just pumpkin pie in a can." And I remember she was like, "Yeah, here, taste it." And it was just it was it, it tasted like dirt. It tasted like a dirt, and I was like, this is terrible. When, you, when you're a kid, you don't know what's going on. But anyway, so this is the top five pumpkin beers, according to this author here. And number one, you got Pump King by Southern uh, Tier. Uh, this is uh, not only is the favorite of the poll, but also all, uh, almost has 8,000 reviews on Beer Advocate and has a rating of 4.13, and it comes in at a hefty 8.6%. And it also comes in five different varieties, including a Rum Barrel aids version, which is 134 Definitely brewed to warm you up on a cool autumn night. Really can't wait for that Southern Tier Pumpkin to come out. Always remember, people, to just make sure that it is not from last year when you look at the bottom. Uh, Pumpkin Ale from Dogfish Head. um, He says here, I'm not a huge pumpkin fan, but this one is uh, my favorite with notes of brown sugar, cinnamon, and other uh, fall spices. Uh, It's crushable at 7%. Uh you also have the Imperial Pumpkin Ale from Weierbacher. I love the labels that Weyerbacher has on their stuff. The Merry Monk Ale, the Blibbering Idiot, like just cool stuff. The Blibbering Idiot was the um I think it was a barley one they came out with. Uh next on the list we have Pumpkin Head from Shipyard. Uh that's the one where it's the it kind of looks like the headless horseman wearing the pumpkin. Uh it's a light crisp wheat beer, very drinkable at 4.5%. It's been coming out uh uh for nearly 25 years. There's also Master of Pumpkins by Trokes. Anything by Trokes is absolutely fantastic. Uh, so this is uh, brewed with pumpkins uh, from there, harvested from their a nearby farm, and it's brews with a Cezanne yeast, so it's going to have a Belgian-y taste, and the name is actually kind of cool, Master of Pumpkins, because it's kind of like a Metallica play on words, but I think that would be really, really neat to try. I don't think, I remember, my honorable mention, I'm going to throw my hat into the ring on, on this guy's list, is, um... Dude, Sam Adams twenty pounds of pumpkin. I mean, I really enjoyed it. It was, it was a very light beer. It wasn't too heavy. Like it didn't make you feel sick, but it had all those flavors that you want from like that that Thanksgiving feel, like that holiday, that pre-Christmas holiday feel was all right then and right there in the twenty pounds of pumpkin. So I really hope that uh, Sam Adams releases that again, because I'm going to be getting these beers on this list. I'm going to do probably do a couple of them on the show. And definitely uh, recommend the twenty pounds of pumpkin. But now we're going to get into the we're going to get into the beer now, ladies and gentlemen, because I haven't had any beer this whole time because I drank all the Oktoberfest. Okay, and anybody worth their weight in beer is going to drink it. Hang on, I got a cooler here. I got to navigate. Hold on. opening up the cooler let the music just take over i'm gonna reach in here first thing i pull out bam. this is from discord and i don't think i've ever had a beer from this brewery before uh, very fresh it was just brewed last month um, it's called unsatisfied it's a sour india pale ale seven percent alcohol by volume it's a 16 ounce tall boy can thank you Miriam webster says here, The coalescence of sour, bitter, and sweet is what inspired us to brew the first kettle-sour IPA back in 2013. Uh, their union continues to inspire us today. We are Discord. Don't save for a rainy day. Let's crack this open and see what we get. So, pouring it into the glass here. Great color. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a rich yellow color. No head, really. I'm trying to do a little aggressive pour here. I got no fingers of head here. Let me get a nose on it. Wow, there's a very... There's a strong mango aroma coming out of this beer here. Mango with like a... There's a slight hop dankiness to it. I'm also smelling... Hold on. Very, very very, very dank. All right, I'm going to put that to the side. I'm not going to taste it yet. I'm going to get to the next beer here. Pulling out of the hat... From Duclaw, love Duclaw here. It's called Sour Me. Uh, peach Sherbet Sour Ale. Ale brewed with peaches and lactose. 5.5% alcohol by volume. Um, and it says here on the side, uh, sip a ripe, juicy, sour me sherbet for a big tart, sweet peach notes and creamy, full body with additions of lactose and fresh pieces peaches, and it says slurp on it, so. Coming out of Baltimore, really like everything that Duke Clark comes out with. Let's crack this bad boy open and see what we get here. Another Tall Boy can. Thank you, Marion Webster. Uh, similar color actually, a little bit lighter in the. Uh, it's more of like a uh, straw yellow. Ooh, I smell the peaches right off the bat. Not very. Both of these beers are a little. Ha- oh Jesus Lord! This one's a little bit less hazy than the other. About about a finger ahead here. It is, I don't know if you could hear that. Let me see if you could hear the the bubbles. I don't know if you can. Seems like it's really carbonated, especially compared to the other one. Actually, I'm going to give this one a taste first. Here we go. Quite sour. Very, 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 very tart. Uh, The peaches are there. It quickly dissipates, and there's like a kiwi flavor in the back end there. The tartness is 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 strong, but you, re- it's not making me pucker really very much, but very fruity all the way through. Not getting much creaminess at all though, um, just tart peach. Yeah, a little bit of a wheat flavor at the end. Let's try the uh, the Discord. That's interesting. That's really interesting because it's kind of like. There's a rich piney like hop characteristic there. Very, 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 um, oh my gosh, hold on. Let me do this one more time. You know, this one's similar to last week's with not the, um, the lemonade one, but the, um, oh crap. What's the name of the other one? The clown shoes one. That was that half sour IPA. Where the IPA was was there the whole time. This one this one is a little bit more well done because it's not as sweet. You have that piney um, hop characteristic there. A little dank, a little juicy in comparison to the Duclau, which I had high hopes for, the peach sherbet. 5.5, you're not getting the 7 on that at all. Yeah, that one's just too, way too tart for me. The winner in this one is going to be the Discord one, sour India Pale Ale, because it has. I mean, I guess when you break these things down, one of them is going to be. I mean, from what I'm gathering from from what's been going on with this sour September, is there's a, there's a very broad spectrum when it comes to these these sours and the and the gozes and stuff. You you really, I used to kind of write off sours as a sours as a sours as a sour. As a sour. But what I'm realizing is that there's a lot more at play here in terms of complexity. I, I've I've realized that you could really you could really come up with some some gems, some diamonds in the rough, so to speak, because the the clown shoes and this discord this discord one they they really hold a solid beer quality to them, but as well as being um, tasty and and enjoyable, like you're not. You're not being punched in the face with like tartness and being told this is like you can't ignore that it's a sour. You can't. It's it's, ir- it's iris- you can't make a mistake, right? So I think for me as I'm going through this sour September, this is the first time I'm really focusing on sours like this. I think what what I'm m- more what I enjoy a little bit more, with the exception of the evil twin lemonade one, um, I'm finding myself leaning towards the more beer centric um, sours. So the half sour IPA from clown shoes this sour India pale ale from uh, discord. Yeah, it has like a there's like a grassy. Okay, so it's very interesting. So it's pretty balanced up front with the hops. It's not too bitter. There's a grassy floral herbal hoppiness, but it's also piney. So it's balanced pretty well. And there's that that layer of tartness on there, but it's just not overpowering. Fades out fairly quick. And then there's a mellow, weedy malt flavor there that's sweet and, and just very pleasant. Very gentle. The Duclaw Sour Me. Oh, yep, You take that sip and you're getting punched right in the face with it. Nice peaches. I mean... If you're into the tart tart sours, then this is this is going to be your your bet here. Um, is it disgusting? No. It definitely balanced. It's definitely not as balanced, I think, as the um, as the Discord. Not getting any creaminess. That's the thing that I'm a little upset about. They're telling you that there's this creaminess into it because of the lactose not coming out. It's just not presenting itself. That's unfortunate. Uh, is it terrible? No. But I mean. Out of 10, I would give it a, a 5. 5 out of 10. Just middle of the road. Nothing special. With this other beer, this is a 7.5 out of 10. Uh, because it's got such a solid foundation. You know? it feel I feel like they made a good IPA and then decided, let's try to work a sour uh, twist around it. You know? Yeah, that's what they did with this. Pleasant. Smooth drinker, seven percent. They really fucking knocked it out of the park with this one. Wow, I might bump, I might bump this up to like an eight and a half out of ten. That's how special this one tastes. So there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Those are the uh, those are the another two sour beers of uh, Sour September. And um, next week will be the end. So, like I said, I'm going to try to get back on Untapped. I know that I've I've, I've been busy and I'm trying to. Get... Get all my ducks in a row. I know I keep saying that, but, you know, forgive me if um if the show lacks a little bit. It's really not my intention. I'm going to drink these beers, upload this show, and go watch the baby. And I'm going to catch you guys next week. Thank you so much for listening. I really hope to see you guys on Saturday. I know I'm going to be seeing a bunch of my good buddies there on Saturday. I'm really, really excited. I haven't seen them in a really long time. So it's going to be really nice to have some great beer. Good food and great laughs with some friends. You know, I really need that. It's been a while since I gotten kind of like out of the house. And um, yeah, I'm just really pumped for that. So thank you for this, for being on this journey with me for Sour September. And I'm going to catch you guys next week. Have a great weekend, everybody.